You're about to hear a preview of Partially Examined Life supporter exclusive content. To learn how to get the whole thing, check out partiallyexaminedlife.com slash support. Hey, this is your Partially Examined Life nightcap. We're recording this on July 9th, 2023. How are you doing, fellas? Ah, Not bad. All right. Say something about philosophy of technology. So, Seth, you made some recommendations. I saw the note and I thought, well, we've certainly the Bostrom and all the AI stuff. And even I think to some extent, I feel like remind me who the guy was we did on time and identity. Whitehead? No, no. The other more modern dude. Henry Bergson or uh, Heisenberg? or uh, No, I don't know. Was it Parfit that did the time slices, time tea? Because there's a bunch of thought experiments there, but you can conceivably talk about technology in that respect. Like, I think there's an angle where there's the augmentation of the human being. And at what point do we cease to be human or what constitutes the essential nature of humanity and these these sorts of things? There's, you know, of course, transpersonalism, right? Is that, was that the notion of what can we conceive of technologies that could potentially cause us to question notions of identity or, you know, like what would it mean to download your brain into a computer, you know, and have a consciousness kind of a thing? What would that be? You have the concept of technology in Heidegger, which is not just in Heidegger, but, you know, a lot of 20th century stuff about essentially the relationship between technology and means of production and a relationship to the earth and to people and so forth. I think there's lots of different ways it could come at it. I suspect that the person who asked the question is probably thinking more along the lines of handheld devices and social media and things like that, like how that stuff is is impacting. So we had Kierkegaard and Dreyfus on social media. I'm looking at the Stanford article. Some of these things, even though we didn't have the technology, these issues were alive, right? Dehumanization, introducing just even with the Industrial Revolution, this mechanism that the romantics are arguing against has been around since the scientific revolution. When we did Walden, Mm -hmm. Thoreau was railing against the telegraph and, (laughs) you know, the news, the way the news and and the effect on that on newspapers. And even though he himself was an addict, right? And even when he was in that cabin, would go every day into town to pick up a newspaper, basically do the equivalent of checking his Twitter feed, (laughs) even though when he was supposed to be unplugged. So yeah, and then I think there's that famous passage on the locomotive and Walden really beautifully written, but yeah, that's just people bewailing the effects of technology that's been going on for a long time. AI is going to truly just this time we're we're done for with AI. <laughs> we really are. It's the end. So that yeah, I think maybe that would be to find people writing right now in light of what's going on with AI. What are philosophers saying? I would be at least interested in hearing what that might be. I would be surprised if it isn't just flavors of the same critiques that we've seen before. It'll be just like Wally that we'll have no reason to get up anymore and we'll become the last man per Brave New World. I'm not interested in doing anything with AI. I was very interested in the beginning. I was following all of the developments. And then I'm like, this is, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know what people are doing with ChatGPT. I don't know what, want to know what essays they're writing with it or emails. I don't want to know what pictures people are producing with the mid journey and all that. I don't know how to explain it. And then someone asked me, oh, are you guys going to do an episode on AI? And I'm like, no, no, it's not interesting enough. (laughs) 
not going to do an episode, but you know, we did it. I'm fine with that, obviously. But I honestly like think I think ethics of X, Y, or Z type stuff. I just don't get that. You know, like medical ethics or technology ethics, all that. That's just policy. There's no deep, profound ethical questions that we have to answer specifically. You're trying to figure out the practicalities of it. We know the the dangers and the benefits are pretty obvious, but maybe I'm probably being too unfair there. But Privacy of medical records versus having the data available to be able to treat the patients wherever they might be. Like that kind of stuff that entirely depends on whether your system is good enough that only the people who are supposed to be able to see it, the records are able to see it. Like that's a very practical problem and very little ethics going on in it. And hence, really boring to me. (laughs) Seth, did you study any business ethics, environmental ethics, any of these other ethics of technology, you know, such that you'd even have a good idea? I'm sure listeners are screaming at us right now who took these practical courses and are like, no, 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 there's a lot of good stuff there. And this has been something I've been open to. Like, we should do a stretch on environmental ethics, but I'm just not sure whether it's like Wes is describing or not. No, I never did any sort of independent study on practical ethics. I mean, I did the same intro courses that you guys taught, you know, and I've come across some measure of business ethics through the course of my career, both in educational contexts and also practical contexts. I have much to say about that, <laughs> that topic. When your boss has asked you to do that insider trading, I know the product is not tested and it's killed some experimental subjects, but go ahead and ship it. We got to meet our quarterly numbers, Seth. Yeah, this is not the case where I work, which I think is a relatively responsible, at least, you know, uh, prima facie. But we have these mandatory compliance and ethics courses and things we have to take every year or every quarter, you know, and like, okay, you know, don't sell trade secrets to Iran, you know, like you can't talk to embargoed countries and you can't take gifts. You know, we can't accept gifts during contract negotiations and things like that. I have not disclosed that our, our uh, mega donor has been flying me to Bali for some, some deep, deep cleaning. Yeah, the secret. But um, the point being that none of this stuff has anything to do with the actual principles that are at stake. What yeah. it means is, okay, we have a 97% compliance on this course. So if anybody in the company does something wrong, it's on them. It's not us. We took legitimate measures. And ultimately, if the penalty for the thing that you do is ultimately just money, like a fine, then it becomes a calculus of profit versus loss and not right versus wrong. So you see these giant companies and they pay penalties, right? Like, let's talk about who was the family that owned the pharma company that overprescribed or oversold opioids and caused the opioid epidemic, right? The Oxycontins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're being fined something like a billion, you know, or $2 billion or something like that, right? And if they can afford to pay it, it's because they probably made $20 billion off of it or something like that. And they're basically paying their way out of jail. And you just ask yourself, you know, like, <laughs> okay, so when right and wrong or legal or illegal comes down to a question of just fines, then ultimately what you're talking about here is not ethics. You're talking about rich versus poor, right? Or profit versus loss. So anyway, I'm somewhat cynical about it. You know, I think there are tricky policy problems, which I think people conceive of as ethical. Like I I think we have to take an ethics course for counseling and 
There are some tricky questions about where the line is, what's ethical, what's not ethical. There are mental health providers that I've seen do things that I consider to be ethically questionable, even though they don't. So it's about boundaries with patients. So that's tricky, but I just don't think of that as a philosophical problem, really. Again, it's more of a practical problem. So I guess I'm backtracking a little bit on saying, oh, well, it's obvious or whatever. In many cases, maybe it's just not that obvious what to do. Philosophical ethics and that sort of ethics are two very different things and they ought not to be confused. Well, we can spend some time. I've just pulled up a a syllabus about philosophy of technology and it seems like there's probably plenty of things. The fact that people have had whole courses on this and actual philosophers have had to teach them says to me that there's probably, even in the business ethics world, I mean, this was Bob Solomon, one of my mentors in grad school, like his primary thing that he spent time on. And if it was really completely boring, this guy that wrote a book on Hegel's phenomenology and was the big existentialism guy, I'm betting there's something that's probably worth one episode of our time, at least at some point. Oh yeah. Uh, But maybe somebody who's taught such a course could help us out and be our guru. Like if you, you know, if we're going to do a, the most penetrating thing in such a course in one session, what would the syllabus be? So I'll throw that out to, to the listeners here. And you should look at the Stanford article the Heidegger essay, which I actually read last year. I think that's probably its own episode. You know, Heidegger on technology would probably be its own episode, I think. Yeah. It's not something you mix in with other essays on technology because, you know, it's Heidegger. Right. There was a not school on it or something. So it's in it's in the catalog for supporters here. Dylan was on it, but we have not read it as a group. I keep feeling like I'm not that I'm opposed to it, that most Heidegger essays end up saying kind of the same thing. <laughs> And we still haven't done Heidegger's later stuff on poetry and stuff like that, you know, that Seth, you were long urging us toward, as well as Heidegger is a rich vein. I say that with a stylistically, you know, he's challenging enough. It's always kind of fun to revisit him. And I'd love to spend some more time with being in time with actually get to the existentialist stuff in there. So the question concerning technology, given that I'm already familiar with it now and I've read it is not at the top of my list, but maybe this could be a in West Close Reading. I don't know what's the best way to deal with that. You know, he's just going to be a Luddite and it's going to say the same basic thing. Oh, we're so alienated from stuff. We're treating these present to hand things like they're ready to hand or whatever, the, or the opposite, <laughs> whichever one is the bad one. We're objectifying things or not objectifying things. <laughs> whatever we're not, we're not letting beings be. That's what it comes down to. Let those beings be. Yeah, that's basically all of late Heidegger. (laughs) All of late Heidegger. Let being be, let beings be. Let it disclose itself. Let it be. Let it be. (laughs) Let being be, let being be. That was, I think. Get your technology (laughs) away from me. (laughs) What? When I take the Holzweg in the Schwarzwald, (laughs) being discloses itself to me. Speaking words of wisdom. Sorry. If that sounds like the kind of thing that you want to hear more about, then please go to partiallyexaminelife.com slash support. Thanks for listening.